if we love the Word of God, if we love the people of God, if we love the Spirit of God, there must be prophetic accountability. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, I want to do my best to serve, to help, to bring edification, to bring strength, to bring faith, to bring correction. I'm not here as the charismatic pope, the corrector-in-chief, the basher-in-chief. I'm here to build up, edify, strengthen. And that means that there must be accountability. There must be responsibility. When words are spoken, we must be responsible for what we speak. Hey, friends, this is Michael Brown. Welcome to the broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Brought a message at my home congregation yesterday morning, got in my car, saw a text from a colleague of mine with an article he had written. I said, hey, great, man, I'll tweet this out right now. Sitting in my car in the parking lot, went to tweet it out and found out that I was locked out of my Twitter account for 12 hours. I'll tell you about that later in the broadcast, what happened and why. But here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I speak as a friend of the prophetic movement. I speak as a believer in the gifts of the Spirit for today, including the gift of prophecy. I stand as one who believes that there are New Testament prophets and that ministry continues to this day, just as there are pastors and teachers, that no one is adding to the Bible. The Bible alone is the Word of God. But prophecy continues. We have ample evidence for that in the New Testament and in church history and right up until today. And yet there is much that's wrong in what we call the prophetic movement in the charismatic church today, much that needs reformation and change. And the year 2020 has brought a lot of that up to the surface. So as a lover of the things of the Spirit, as a leader in the charismatic body, as well as in the larger evangelical church, I feel a burden and responsibility to address these things, but in a pastoral way. You know, we all wear different hats. It could be teacher, pastor, evangelist. You know, we, we wear different hats depending on what we're doing. I want to address things in the most pastoral way I can with the goal of helping, building up, strengthening. Right before the show, I mean, moments ago, I, I got an email sent to me, a pastor in England He said, the American elections have impacted parts of the UK church. The mainstream traditional church has seen little impact, but the charismatic and Pentecostal churches have been damaged. This is a pastor from England. He said, I pastor a charismatic church, and about one-tenth of our church have been influenced by false prophecies, QAnon, etc. We were a Bible-believing church, and yet so many people were deceived by conspiracy theories and false prophets. I was on a Zoom call with other charismatic and Pentecostal pastors, and I've heard similar stories. Earlier today, I did an interview with a charismatic Pentecostal church in Poland, and they said, yeah, the prophecies and the false prophecies, that's being discussed there. There's a major article that will be released probably by the end of this week by the New York Times discussing these issues, so we we can't ignore them. And then there are atheist YouTube channels that are playing prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that didn't happen mocking the whole Christian faith so it makes non-charismatics look bad on top of that, for which I feel terrible. And then 
you have those that we would call charismatic critics, some even hypercritics, and they're putting together their videos. I haven't seen them, but I, they've got to be out there with, with failed prophecy after failed prophecy, and in their eyes, exposing the whole of the charismatic movement as, as off or l- lunatic or fringe or whatever. And I understand why they're doing that. I, from their vantage point, this confirms what they've been saying. I understand why they're doing that. So again, my purpose here is not to beat a dead horse, is not to criticize those that were praying and believing and hoping and felt the Lord had showed them a certain thing, but rather to help in a pastoral prophetic, excuse me, a pastoral way as we sort out these prophetic issues. All right, fair enough. You understand my heart and intent. So I want to put a headline up for an article that I wrote in December. And the article was an appeal to my prophetic friends. It's on different websites, but it came out in mid-December to my prophetic friends, you were either right or you were wrong. You were either right or you were wrong. Now, why did I write that back then? I, I was seeking to prepare for the moment in time when it was clear that the prophecies of Trump being reelected to a second term did not happen. I mean, I knew then they were not going to happen. But at that point, I was preparing the way to say, okay, when that moment comes, if the prophecies come to pass, extraordinary. When it seems completely impossible, when the election results are in, when everything's moving forward, that it would flip and that Trump would be inaugurated on the 20th, that would be an incredible testimony to the truth of these words. It'd be absolutely amazing. And if it doesn't happen, we're not going to throw you under the bus. We're not going to attack you and malign you. But please own up to it. Please recognize you were wrong. What you prophesied did not come to pass. Let's find out why, and and let's try to rebuild in a healthier way. And in the article, I talked about a story I heard in the church where I came to faith. I I, I heard it as if it was a real story. I don't think it was a joke, but I heard it as if it was a real story. So what happened was there was a guest speaker visiting the church one night, and he had a, a personal prophecy over a woman there. Uh, the Lord has shown me you're going to the mission field and you're going to India. She was so excited. Praise the Lord. How wonderful. Then he had a word for another man in another part of the building. The Lord has shown me you're called to the mission field and you're going to China. You're going to China. Well, he didn't know they were husband and wife. They were, they were in different parts of the building, but they were husband and wife. Well, they get in the car afterwards very excited because this was not a a normal thing for someone to get a personal prophecy. And the wife said, the man of God had a word for me. And he said, the man of God had a word for me too. And and, and she said, we're going on the mission field. He said, yes, we're going on the mission field. She said, we're going to India. He said, no, no, we're going to China. She said, no, no, the man of God said, we're going to India. He said, no, we're we're going to China. He said, well, there seems to be some confusion here. So they go in and they find this brother who's still ministering and they said, Brother, you prophesied to my wife, she's going to the mission field, going to India. You prophesied to me, I'm going to the mission field, going to China. There seems to be a discrepancy. And he smiled and said, oh, no. He said, you're called to Indochina. So I said, please don't do that. When, when the dust settles, when all is said and done, and it's clear that we have a new president inaugurated, if it's Trump, it's Trump. If it's Biden, it's Biden. But please don't try to come up with a spiritual meaning of the words. And please, either you're right you were wrong. I, I was laying that foundation for a purpose. My friend Ron Cantor, 
wrote an article yesterday. You can read it on messiahsmandate.org. And the title of his article is, God Never Told His Prophets to Apologize. Wait, what? And Ron there, in good scriptural detail, rebuts this bizarre argument that's going around now of, hey, if you prophesy, you prophesy. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. There could be many reasons, but you never apologize for getting things wrong. I mean, try that out under the Old Testament economy with the death penalty for false prophecy. Try, try that one out, that excuse there. But <laughs> when someone says, show me the chapter and verse you're supposed to apologize, show me the chapter and verse where prophets are exempt where everyone else that messes up or everyone else that sins, everyone else that does wrong, everyone else that misleads, everyone else that hurts the flock, everyone else that teaches falsely, everyone else that speaks things that aren't accurate, all of them have to apologize, but no, not the prophet. So here's, here's where things are right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some things pastors are writing to me because they're saying we're having to pick up the pieces now. We're dealing with the people discouraged. We're dealing with the people hurting. We're dealing with the ones that say, what about the prophets? I'm dealing with people saying, you've got no right saying this now. You have to wait. Well, you told me to wait till January 20th. Oh, no, no, that didn't mean anything. We're hearing now Mar March? No, April. April. No, could be four years. So we are watching people now go into complete fantasy, into complete delusion, and the world is mocking. Now, if I'm mocked for my testimony of Jesus, so be it. If I'm mocked for standing for righteousness, so be it. But when I bring disgrace to the name of the Lord through my words or actions, that's very, very grievous. So here there are websites, organizations that bash conservative Christian views. They'll also bash things that they think are examples of charismatic extremism and lunacy. So here you have the world playing clips like this. I, I want you to see this recent clip from Hank Kuhneman. I have tried to reach out to him privately without success. But just listen to this recent clip from a message. And this is being played by the world to mock the name of Jesus and the church. But notice something. God hates what? He, he didn't say he hates discord. He hates he. He, he hates you that are being a troll. He hates you that are attacking your Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, but they're false. They're wrong. Excuse me. How do you know? Because it hasn't come to pass. How do you know that it hasn't come to pass? First of all, the president was reelected. Let's get that clear. Second of all, he was given a second term based on re-election. Well, he's not serving it now because it was stolen by thieves. That's, that's why I wrote the article in advance back in, in December to say you're either right or wrong. Please don't give us the Indochina stuff. Please don't do it. Lawrence Sanford, who apologized for wrongly prophesying Trump's re-election, said no rubber prophecies. You could stretch it and twist it to mean certain things. And what's really unfortunate is the very thing that God is so against in Scripture, spreading discord among brothers. A video like that, even just a little clip from a larger message, there may have been other things in the message said that were fine. 
But just that clip, that is sowing discord. That is hurting people with sincere questions. I'm sure there are people acting in immature ways and saying you're all going to hell and stuff like that because you prophesied falsely. You can have all kinds of extremes. That's never been my heart, my intent, obviously. But there's so much wrong about that that is so much of a misuse of Scripture and, and absolutely not the Holy Spirit speaking those words to those of you who say, what do I do with this? How do I deal with the fact that all these different people that I respected were so wrong here? No, God does not hate you for having those questions. Let that just bounce off of you as, as we pray for people like Hank and others to recognize the terrible damage they're doing with these words, the division that they're bringing, and the reproach they're, they're bringing to the name of Jesus. Aside from the whole Indochina thing, which I'll come back to. 866-34-TRUTH. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on the Line of Fire. If you've got a question you want to weigh in, you've got a different viewpoint, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. As I said, my tone, approach, goal, burden is, is pastoral today. Teaching as well, which is part of pastoral ministry. I'm not a, a local church pastor. But as an elder in the body, you, you have to have a heart for the flock. But there's a prophetic side of me that often gets gripped with God's heart. And, and I felt God's pain and even anger over those who are hurting his sheep. He is the great shepherd. The father sent his son to die for our sins, paid the ultimate price for our redemption. And God's very jealous over the well-being of his flock. Read a passage like Ezekiel 34 to get an Old Testament perspective on how God looked at things when the shepherds hurt the sheep, meaning the flock of Israel. So I feel the, the pastoral responsibility with the prophetic burning heart to address these things. Now, aside from the, the horrific misuse of Scripture to tell believers that God hates you if you're saying, hey, these prophecies were false and they didn't come to pass, what about that? Let's just go further. The idea that they did come to pass, that Trump was reelected. God is not the author of confusion, friends. God is not going to tell you something that then has a complete different meaning, speak it through many, many different people, and it then ultimately has a completely different meaning. What's the use of it? In other words, all the prophecies saying that Trump would be reelected were not saying, well, technically he will be, according to what we believe about election fraud, but he actually won't ever serve a term, and the next president will be Joe Biden. Now, everyone understood that to have a particular meaning. And certainly we all knew that, hearing it time and time again. And when I would ask my friends that were in prophetic circles, and hey, what what are they sensing? Oh, they, to a person, they all say Trump will be reelected. It was not he's going to win, but the election is going to be stolen. It is of no use to prophesy a reelection if the reelection is not real. Or at least say this is going to happen, but it will be stolen. And the other thing is all of our courts right up to the Supreme Court say not sufficient evidence to say that it was stolen or no evidence at all that it was stolen. 
there were very specific prophecies. He will serve a second consecutive term. Not he will be elected to it, but it'll be stolen. He will serve a second consecutive term. Don't give me the Indochina stuff. Try to blend the thing. That's not true. That's not right. That's not righteous. That's not accurate. The ones that said eight consecutive years, he will serve eight consecutive years. And, and then I, I'm not looking for this stuff. Do you understand? I don't, I don't spend all my hours watching these messages to try to catch them in error. I don't do that. That's not who I am. That's not my spirit. That's not my burden. But things will be sent to me or colleagues of mine and say, look at this. What do we make of this? So we played on the air early on prophecy from Hank Kuhneman, very detailed. Within 70 days after the election, what was going to happen? And we were going to watch blue states become red. And we were going to watch this happen, that happen. Everything that had a date on it has been false. Okay, this is after the election and there was dispute and Biden's declared the winner and so on. Every prophecy about what's going to happen. And think of everyone waiting for the inauguration. Think of how many people were telling me, Dr. Brown, don't say anything until January 20th because you don't know what's going to happen. I said, I'm 100 percent sure. I'm a million percent sure. There's absolutely zero possible doubt in my mind. Donald Trump will not be inaugurated on the 20th. Well, wait till then. Okay. Then the 20th come. Well, it's a spirit. He's the spiritual president. Or no, we'll wait till March. No, no, we're not waiting. We're not waiting. The prophecies did not come to pass. There are many different reasons why that could be the, the case but they did not come to pass. Please do not further make a mockery of God and a mockery of the prophetic gift and a mockery of the sensibilities of God's people by saying that they really did come to pass when they didn't. And especially if these were all prophetic words, then should have been prophesied well in advance. He'll win the election, but it will be stolen and Joe Biden will be the next president. The the bottom line, the only thing that ultimately mattered is who's the next president. It's Joe Biden. That's the reality. That's the reality. Now, you say, why is this so burdensome to you? Well, because I'm, number one, God's heart, I feel it. Number two, just integrity as a leader in the body, you, you feel it. But here, let me give you a little sampling of things I'm hearing from different people. One of my colleagues, powerful evangelist, said, hey, a pastor he knows posted this. I just want to read a little excerpt from what this pastor said. He said, the smoke is beginning to clear away. And once again, the church has has a mess on its hands, especially in evangelical Christianity. It saddens me to think of the thousands now wailing away, or excuse me, walking away from their faith, disillusioned, and blaming so-called Christian leaders who let them down. Most of those who turned from their Christian walk were led astray by voices outside the local church who predicted something that did not happen. Pastors are now having to pick up the pieces. He continued, He said the apostles and prophets will now make their apologies, for the most part, and move on to the next prophetic event. Left for the cleanup will be the local pastor, who must try to convince their sheep that God's word is still true. The local fellowship of believers is where they need to be attached, and that God wants to bring revival to their church and community. The pastor's job just got harder. I'm hearing that from different people, not just in America, but different parts of the world that these false prophecies have made the pastor's job harder. That's why we're seeking to bring accountability. You say, well, what are you doing outside of radio? Well, behind the scenes, trying to deal with individuals, putting out practical teaching as much as possible, 
and then scheduling meetings with leaders that do want to sit together and discuss these things. But we can't, I can't force this. I'm not going to go door to door yelling at people. Again, I'm not the police and I'm not the charismatic Pope. But if we can do our best to establish standards and call people to live by them, then those that don't, okay, they're in their own category. They've refused accountability. They've refused these standards. They, they've refused to act with integrity in these areas. So we pray for God to bring them to repentance, but we, we just go on with those that will walk in accountability and integrity. Here, another pastor sends me this note, very strong Trump supporter. He sends me this note. He said, my whole message Sunday morning is dealing with this tragedy of false prophecy. This is a pastor. Unfortunately, it's infected some of our previously strong leaders in our church, so I have to deal with this lovingly and graciously, but firmly. He calls it the tragedy of false prophecy. That's why there must be accountability. And then here, another brother writes this note to me, and I could, trust me, we're getting the letters, the emails, the the text on a very, very regular basis. Many people saying, thank you. And of course, not the only voice, but thank you for speaking this. Thank you for raising these issues because we're seeing problems everywhere and family members and others affected. That's what's so grievous. God's name is mocked before the world and believers have their faith damaged. And now there's not even the integrity to take responsibility for the damage that's been done. Here's another note sent to me by a young man. Thank you for stepping out and addressing the current prophetic mess As a prophetic individual myself, this past year has been extremely hard. Everything I heard personally did not line up with much of the mainstream. Then one more, another pastor wrote to me, said this, just wanted to say thanks for sharing about the election over the last two weeks as a pastor. I almost feel like I have to do damage control now. I'm so looking forward to your future teaching on the prophet's ministry. One thing I'm certain about is that the New Testament church should not be seeking out so-called prophets for guidance, since now we have the Holy Spirit in each of us. That may have worked in the Old Testament, but now that the Spirit has come, he speaks to all of us, not just one in particular for the whole church. Anyway, I will be looking forward to your teaching when it becomes available. Too many going after too many voices. Anyway, thanks for speaking truth. And then Pastor Warren Curry, whom I only know through Facebook, sent me a link of a word that he gave in January of 2017. And he's one that teaches on prophetic ministry and things like that. And I'm hearing from more and more people who said, no, I, I never heard that Trump would be reelected. In other, in other words, it's basically a particular stream of prophetic people that many of them associate, know each other, not entirely, but largely that heard the same thing, but far from, quote, all, the prophetic voices. So I just want to play this clip. It's about 40 seconds long. It is from January of 2017, Pastor Warren Curry. But a few weeks ago, at our all-night prayer, this is what the Lord told me. The Lord told me three distinct things about President Trump. And it only shifted when I, when I purposed in my heart to really begin praying for him and not to persecute him and criticize him. The Lord told me emphatically he is a friend to Christians. He's a friend to Christians. He's going to be a one-term president. And the church needs to partner with heaven now in prayer because there's things that God wants to accomplish during this next four years that if the church doesn't partner in prayer, we're going to squander the opportunity. Boom. That sounds like the Lord to me. 
yeah, he's a friend of Christians. Why did he need the Lord to tell him that? Because people were skeptical. Is he, is he going to be, is, did he just use us to get elected? No, he tried to be a true friend throughout. That's one. Be a one-term president. Interesting. I never heard God either. I've never heard God speak to me about a presidential election. He spoke to me about other things, but, but not that. But he spoke that early on, 2017, and that there was an opportunity. I believe that in terms of what we could have done as the church during these four years, in many ways we have failed because we made it more about politics than the gospel, more about a person, the man in the White House, than the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hence, rather than taking advantage of the moment, it ended up doing a lot of damage with the good as well. All right, right back with your calls. I still got to tell you what happened with Twitter. Yeah, why I got locked out of Twitter for 12 hours. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Well, let's go straight to your calls today as we talk about prophetic accountability, 866-34-TRUTH. And the big question is, if we are accountable as teachers, if we are accountable as pastors, if we are accountable as leaders in every area of life and ministry— why are not prophets accountable, especially if weight is to be put in their words or their words are to have any significance or on any level they claim to be speaking for God? What do we read in Jacob, James, the third chapter? Not many of you should be teachers because those who teach will be more accountable. So certainly any of us in leadership ministry if we realize we've done wrong, if we've hurt people, if we've misled, if we've caused confusion, then by all means, we take it on the chin and we humble ourselves. And God gives grace to the humble. The goal here is not to shoot the wounded. Uh, you know, if a leader makes a mistake or messes up or even grossly falls, you still, if that person's truly repent, you put your arms around that person and restore in a spirit of meekness. The problem is when people resist accountability or use to me what are prophetic tricks to try to change and shift and so on. And that's when it becomes more difficult and more problematic. And then when these alleged prophets issue threats in God's name, that if you question them, there's judgment, things like, which some of them actually have. We even played some clips. That's complete manipulation. That is either the flesh or demonic or both, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the voice of God and the Spirit of God. All right, to the phones. We start in Charleston, West Virginia. Alan, thank you for holding. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, how you doing, Dr. Brown? Doing fine, thank you. Uh, yeah, um, I'm a charismatic. I've been in the charismatic movement since the early 70s. Uh, I'm a teacher. And my, uh, my question is a comment and a question with the prophetic. I know you said that I think a Jeremiah Johnson has repented, maybe a few other ones. Uh, Hank Kuman, uh, Cat Kerr, Johnny Enlow, um, Kenneth Copeland, to my knowledge, these haven't repented. Uh, these are voices that I don't, I don't listen to personally, but mm -hmm. undoubtedly the body does as a whole. Um, 
And I think the problem's twofold, Dr. Brown. Not only do we have voices that are speaking that probably shouldn't be speaking, but that the church itself is not maturing in the way that it should be because, um, you know, we're to test the spirit, we're to test the prophets, we're to do all that. Uh, I'm very careful uh, as a believer uh, who I let speak into my life. Only a, only a few people I've allowed to do that, and, and you are one of them, but you're one of very few of people that I even listen to. Um, and my question is this, uh, to the ones that have prophesied and refused to repent, what do we do with those people that refuse to acknowledge right. that they've missed it? And so what, in your point of view, I know with me, you know, like I say, I don't listen to them uh, anyway, and I've had personal prophecies and stuff like that, and if it don't come to pass, I just kind of wipe it off and it don't really bother me because I take it with a grain of salt, and, you know, that's me, but I know a lot of people don't do that. So what are we going to do with these yeah. people that have have a big voice, and a lot of people listen to them, and undoubtedly, uh, you know, thousands, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands of people listen to them, and like you said, uh, based on these prophecies, their faith is really, you know, their, their faith is really took right. a hit, so... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to yeah, so, mean. But, no, you know, I, I understand. You know, what do we do with those yeah. So let, let me let me weigh in. First, you're absolutely right that there's general weakness in much of the church, lack of discipleship. Put charismatic things aside. Put prophecy aside. Just general knowledge of Scripture, basic doctrine, basic godly living, solid relationship with God. The Church of America, speaking broadly, is in massive, massive need. Of discipleship and and with that in many ways meaning different approach to doing church and being church so this now exploits a terrible weakness that's one two is we've had a problem for decades in the charismatic movement of non-accountable prophecy and I can give you this amazing prophecy of this incredible revival that's going to break next week in particular city in America and it doesn't happen and then next week I'm prophesying another city and another and and we just go on and no one says well, wait 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 brother brother stop you said that look it's one thing if there are words that that are not time related and we have a sense and we can feel things the prophets in the Old Testament got their timing wrong first Peter 1 tells us they thought they're prophesying for themselves and then well no God has said no it's for future generation so look I the first time that I preached two messages on the same day, I, I got confused which was for the which time. In other words, I was so consumed with the night message, I thought that was for the morning until I got there in the morning and realized, no, it was the reverse. You know, I felt it in my heart. And so I thought, boy, that's just a tiny little illustration of how you can get timing wrong. So if, if people were, were not so specific and dogmatic and repetitive of what's going to happen and you watch and you watch and you watch, if they just said, we have some sense about God using Trump, and it's going to be for years to come. And is it president or something else? We don't know, but pray for the man. Well, that's fine. Prophecy is often more nebulous like that. But when it's so specific and it's wrong time and again, and we keep listening, I mean, it's an indictment on us that we keep listening and, and a, a sign of a lack of leadership in the body to deal with it. Okay, so now specific, and the last thing, sorry, the whole idea of the prophetic movement as something separate from just the rest of church life 
something separate from leadership teams that work together so that if I'm a prophet, every day I'm giving you the latest unfiltered word, just sending it out to hundreds or thousands, millions of people online. That's another abusive thing, that you just have these gifts and ministries just out there. And even if there's some truth in the content, it ends up coming in confusing and misleading ways. So what do we do with those who will not repent, dig their heels in, or convince they're speaking for God, whatever? Any that I have a personal relationship with, which is not any, basically, of the voices that are out there that are hanging in and pushing forward— I would reach out to them privately. I tried to reach out to Hank Kuhneman privately only because I have friends that know him, but I've never met him, don't know him at all. I tried to reach out privately without success. So I'll draw attention publicly to say that's not God, that's not, that's not the Spirit of God. Don't come under that. Don't, don't let that hurt you. Let's evaluate this properly. We will be meeting with other key charismatic leaders and trying to call for reformation and change. Those that want to be part of it, great. Those that are not, I'm, we just walk away. You know what I'm saying? It's just, just like if someone is teaching the Bible and they're this famous teacher and the more you dig, you realize, wow, they've got some really squirrely doctrines here. I'm just not going to listen to them. That's the bottom line. You know, uh, one of my friends many years ago said, if you're really having problems in your church, and, and the leaders are really going in a wrong direction. He said, you vote with your feet. You walk out respectfully. So it's not your mission to destroy the church. It's not my mission. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life chasing down this one and that one and trying to expose the foot. It's not my mission or calling. Those that feel they're called to do th- whatever. Let each one be true to their calling. Just do it in a biblically-based way. But that's it. There's, And I'm not calling people tares in terms of wheat and tares saying that those that are refusing to repent are all lost sinners. I'm not saying that. But the principle of the wheat and the tares, you, you have to let them both grow. There are always going to be issues. You do your best to expose it, draw attention to it, confront where you can, call for reform where you can, but you move on, especially because most of the ministries are, are, are independent. It's not a denomination that you can even work through. So we do our best to do that. I plan on doing a, a series to update a teaching series I did many years ago on prophetic ministry, put that out and then put out a new book on it, hopefully 2022, and do what we can in that regard. But otherwise, you just ignore and move on. Pray for them, but ignore them and move on otherwise. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Maggie in Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for taking my call. You bet. I've um, been listening to your shows and very enlightened by what you're speaking of, and I agree with what you're saying, and I speak for myself. I have been watching Sid Roth for a long time, and I got to be honest, I've been very, like, I guess disappointed in where a lot of these folks are going, Um, because obviously a lot of them were wrong, and I don't see any apology. I don't see anything coming from that platform. And I'm just curious, you know, as a body, we need to be unified and together. But it just doesn't seem like <laughs> like anybody wants to confess and say, you know what, I was wrong. I, 
I made a mistake or anything. The only person that I've seen that's really apologized is Marcus Rogers and Jeremiah Johnson. Um, but for the rest of the brethren, it's like they just keep going and they're just going off the deep end. And like, I guess. Yeah, I'm so just... now, Maggie, this is why we're talking about these things, because there is a lot of confusion and and pain and and mistrust and things like that. Now, of course, there's some folks that, that don't like my friend Sid and don't like his broadcast and think it's extreme and way out there, et cetera. And Sid and I have been partners in Jewish evangelism since the mid-1980s, and I know his heart for the Lord and for the lost. But obviously, with the major platform that he has, that some of the prophetic words did come out through this platform, and that Sid many times, or at least several times, said that he really felt, he never prophesied it, but he just felt in his heart that Trump would be reelected. So uh, I, have, I have not yet reached out to Sid privately, which I will, and, and that'll be a, a conversation between the two of us. But just so you know, my principle, so he, he was not saying I'm a prophet declaring this. Like I said, I, I have no personal relationship with any of those who are still prophesying. This is God, and, and we, we got it right. But Sid is a, is a personal friend for many years, and I, it's a conversation I will have with him in terms of of where does he go from here? What sense of responsibility does he feel? I'm not here to dictate to him what he does. He leads his own ministry, but to talk about the flock and responsibility. And look, anybody can make a mistake. How many pastors have you heard get up and say, you know, I taught this particular thing for 20 years, but I realize now that I've been missing something here. We can misinterpret the written word. We can misinterpret a, a prophetic word. I don't mean the pastor's not going to deny Jesus. I mean, just realize, well, I had an end-time view that really wasn't scriptural. So if someone said, yeah, here's, I realize what I got wrong and how, we, we, we work together for those who humble themselves. And by the way, I know Chris Valadin, Sean Boltz, and Lawrence Sanford also have apologized, but that's only five I'm aware of them. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to use the beauty of our radio broadcast and the beauty of our internet feed on Facebook and YouTube and give you bonus coverage today. So I'm gonna take the rest of my radio time and get to as many callers as I can, but we are gonna leave our feed going on Facebook and YouTube. So if you're watching on the Ask Dr. Brown Facebook page or the Ask Dr. Brown YouTube page, stay there, stay right there. I won't be able to take your calls. We'll, we'll take as many calls as we can, but I'll continue the discussion. I may even interact with some of your social media comments and I'll tell you how I got locked out of Twitter. So stay with us on Facebook and on YouTube. So when we sign off on radio, we'll keep going. Those listening on radio that want to keep watching and listening, just go to the Ask Dr. Brown Facebook page, ASKDR Brown, or YouTube page. All right, we go to Patrick in Newport News, Virginia. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, how you doing? Thank you for having me on. It's my first time calling. I've uh, been listening to you for at least a couple of years now, so I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah, so let me be very, very honest. Um, I, like the previous caller, had listen, listened to Sid Roth and 
follow the YouTube channel and have been blessed by the uh, the content that's come out of there. But uh, when it came to the prophecies and when it came to Trump being reelected and I was seeing how things had played out, I'm going to be completely honest. I had a moment where I was disappointed and my faith was a little shaken. Mm. But I came across this verse on my private time and reading the Bible, and I just want to share it to you and your listeners out here. And it says, when there is more right within a nation, its government topples easily, but wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. And it's been my prayer uh, since I've seen a lot of this chaos going on that the heart of Scripture to just pray for continued wise and uh, knowledgeable leaders, not just within the government, but even within our churches and even prophetic churches as well, because one of the things I feel that we've gotten off with is that we have put so much trust in a man to help change the nation when God has charged a whole body across the entire globe to help push the nation forward. All the LBGT stuff that we're seeing, all the the stuff about abortion, all the stuff that we see with the racial tension, God has entrusted the church to help be the change, and we're looking for the government and the White House to change everything. God's pointed back at our house and was like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. I feel yeah. like, you know, what how we've trusted Trump as believers to help change his nation as much how I feel like the black community has trusted Obama when he was in office for eight years, thinking because now that we have a black president, we, we I, I guess we'll see some change yeah. in some of the systemic and, issues. And now, going and, on. Now, and now Joe Biden is going to fix everything. Those right. Are the I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. see that. I will pray for Joe Biden and everything. And, you know, I'm not going to be up here saying not my president. That's not my role as believer. Exactly. But exactly. at the same time, um, we got to we, we as prophetic voices uh, uh, have to be accountable, repent. I know that you mentioned a guy by the name of Payne Coon. I'm actually reading one of his books about throwing room prophecy. And he talks about some prophetic accountability in there. So to hear that yeah. he hasn't said anything about it is kind of shocking. But, yeah, well, but, in, in fact, but, Patrick, yeah, just to just to jump in, uh, go ahead. Uh, it's interesting because I was talking to folks who had published that book and and said that he really believes in prophetic accountability and he loves the Lord and so let's pray for the best uh, to come. You know what I what I see really concerns me. But you know, Patrick, for years, as a Trump voter, I said let us not look to him as some type of political messiah deliverer. And I got blasted mm-hmm. for it. We know he's not our savior. Jesus is our savior. Well, idolatry and, and putting our trust in the wrong place is often very subtle. You know, when I, was, when I was in church service yesterday and we were singing praises to Jesus, I'm thinking, okay, everybody understands, every Christian on the planet understands who Jesus is versus Donald Trump. <laughs> we understand that. But so when, you know, they say we're not making an idol of him, but we people were looking to him he's going to give the church back its voice we don't need a, a, a man if he knows well whatever a man that is anything but an example of a godly man we, we don't need him to give our voice get our voice back and in point of fact he could appoint justices and, and do good and now the biden administration thinking they're doing the right thing they're seeking to undo a lot of what what trump did which brings it back to the fact that change is going to come from the ground up change is going to come God touches us, and as we're changed, we go and touch the world around us. That's how it has to happen. So, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm with you inch for inch, step for step. And, and, you know, the other thing is, what if you were not as strong in faith as you were? And now these prophecies, one after another, they don't come to pass. It's definitely shaken people. People 
walking away from the Lord right now. And, and that's what we've been burdened for for many, many weeks. And uh, Patrick, thank you for calling. Well, don't, don't make it be a few years next time, all right? Uh, 866-34-TRUTH. Nancy and I were talking today, and I said, you know, I, I just got to write another article. There are no political saviors. Every, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it, depending on which side we're on. We're on the right. This one's going to do it. We're on the left. This one's going to do it. There may be political destroyers. There may be a lot of damage that can be done. But in terms of real, lasting societal change, you know, all these people blasting me because, yeah, Joe Biden is our president. Well, you're for abortion. No, I'm not for abortion. I've been fighting on the pro-life movement longer than most. And, and, and all those that challenge me, you know, you're, you're, if you support Biden, I'm praying for him. He's our president. I oppose much of his agenda. But, but I'll say to folks, okay, you're so passionately pro-life. Name the abortion clinics in your city and tell me what you're doing for the pro-life movement. Most can't even do that. So let's not be so self-righteous here. All right, uh, let me try to get to some more calls. Uh, we go to Ron in Ontario, Canada. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Uh, hi, Dr. Brown. Hey, buddy. Hey, good to hear. Good to talk to you again. Uh, Dr. Brown, a uh, couple of questions uh, quickly. Um, I want to order your book, uh, Christian Antisemitism, but I noticed on your site it says U.S. only. So because I obviously don't live in the, in the States... Uh, Am I not allowed? Oh, to... oh, no, it's just that particular offer, from what I understand, because of shipping outside of the country uh, is, is a problem. You could always just write in, but I'm sure Christian anti-Semitism, you can order it uh, on, say, Amazon Canada website. You can order the paperback or the, the, uh, the, the e-book easily that way. Yeah, for oh, sure. When will it be out? Uh, well, I just got my, I'd hold my copy up, except the color of the book will not be seen with, with our background. Uh, it's officially released next week. Oh. Yeah, fe- February 2nd. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's okay. real intense, okay. Ron. It's, it's real intense. It's, uh, as a Jewish believer, you know, remembering our calls in years past. Oh, it's, it's a very intense yeah. book. So, friends, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it more later in the, in, in the week. Go to our website, sdrbrown.org. You can order, pre-order. We have the books in. Just got them. Your signed, numbered copy, we'll be sending them out within a few days. So that's at askdrbrown.org. Okay, back to you, sir. Yeah, I um, no. The, the second question I had is uh, I have a close friend who's just really, uh, really involved in these conspiracy theories, profit, you know, uh, <sighs> all this stuff that went on before Biden was inaugurated. And I kept telling her, I said, Biden is going to be inaugurated. She says, no, no, he's not. This, this person says this, this person says that. My question to you is, how do I deal with my close friend who is just so into these conspiracy theories? Right. So what you have to do is you, you have to put a chink in the armor where the person legitimately begins to think and question. Because if you're in denial or in delusion, then reality has no meaning to you. It, in, in other words, if you're 100% sure that someone is going to rise from the dead and a day goes by, a week goes by, and they're still dead and they're about to be buried, now it's like, see, it's going to be an even greater miracle. See, see. So the, the delusion continues. So what you have to do is find one specific area. You know, for example, the, the book QAnon Deception that my friend Jim Beverly wrote and that we actually published, QAnon Deception. Uh, 
goes through one thing after that was supposed to happen, didn't happen, false things. But see, try to go back and say, okay, what did you tell me was going to happen on this date? Or what was certain? Try to pin her down to something and say, okay, can you see it didn't happen? Do you realize why QAnon followers around the world are saying we've been played? The whole thing was, was a, a myth in terms of what was going to happen and what the president was going to do and so on. Now people still hang on. No, no, you wait till March. You wait till April. Others saying, doesn't matter what we see with the natural. It's the spiritual that matters. It, it reminds me, Ron, of some word of faith folks years ago. They would say, I'm healed. You say, well, you're, you're wheezing and coughing. And they say, no, no, those are lying symptoms. So, so you're actually healed, but you have lying symptoms. They said, yes, yeah. well, I'd only be worried about the lying symptoms then. I'd if that's the only thing, let's deal with the lying symptoms. And, and you know, and then I asked them, okay, well, what if the person dies? Do they have lying death? I mean, at what point do we say, okay, I'm not healed? Yes, I believe that healing and everything else for life and godliness is purchased at the cross and is available by faith, potentially available by faith. But if I'm not healed yet, I understand I'm not healed yet. So if you can get her to take one specific area, one specific area, where she recognizes, okay, I was sure about this and it didn't happen. Then let that, let that be the thing that opens her eyes. And then pray, pray for her in, in private and in secret that God would bring her back to reality. And then make it clear, hey, I'm not here to say I told you so or bash or be superior. You put a net out to catch her when she falls. But phone lines are jammed. I got you a few calls, but phone lines jammed. This is why talking about things okay if you're watching on facebook or on youtube the music is going to pass everyone on radio talk to you tomorrow but the music's going to pass and we're going to be right here continuing with this and i'm going to respond to some of your comments on youtube and facebook god bless you